Welcome to a special edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. This is coming out a couple of days early because what people are betting on is happening before this podcast usually comes down. This show usually comes down on Wednesdays. You can find it anywhere you can find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it is. But if you are downloading it on the regular day, all the action happened. And it is such a big event in Bavada's history that the Bavada odds maker Patrick Morrow and I had a conversation. We said, do we do a show that includes none of it or do we do a show that includes all of it? And I like the fact that you let it ride. Get it? That's a gambling joke. <laughs> well, I mean, and there's a really good chance for anyone tuning in that uh, we still have no idea what's happened in this election. I mean, looking at our odds for even when this election is going to be called, uh, we have it being called on November 3rd as a slight underdog. So, uh, I, I mean, we, we may still be uh, waiting in the wings. I mean, we have it as high as, you know, 10 to 1 that uh, we're maybe not seeing this called up till December. We've got a lot of uh, mail-in votes that... Uh, especially in states like Pennsylvania, they don't even start opening them and counting them until the polls close on election night. So, I mean, as much as, you know, I think a lot of us are excited to see this campaign come to an end, uh, ultimately have a result one way or another, uh, we've still been waiting in the wings a little bit longer. You know, the, the one aspect, okay, so you went through the will it be decided. How much of a percentage is it who is going to be the next president of the United States? How, what, in, what would you say? Is that 60%, 70%? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing here. In terms of the overall betting handle on, on the yeah. election? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of all the action coming into Bavada, you have all these things happening. How much of it is just the basics? It's almost like the props versus who's going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking that as you were referencing that, that that is the kind of the disparity that we're seeing, not entirely the same, but it, it is close. And I mean, and that might also change a bit as we get uh, as we get closer to polls closing uh, as it currently stands about 70 percent of the money is just on Biden versus Trump. And uh, as that currently stands, we are seeing about 65 percent of the money still coming in on the incumbent uh, Donald Trump. Um, but yeah, we, we are seeing uh, stuff like, uh, you know, when will the election be called? Uh, the specific state races, of course, are huge. You know, what's going to happen in Pennsylvania? What's happening in Florida, Texas, Iowa, Georgia, you name it, the Midwest. Uh, that stuff is getting massive amount of handle. And that's the kind of stuff that, uh, you know, like the Super Bowl, we are now in positions now that even if Trump were to win and it would be, you know, one of our biggest losses of the year just on that. Uh, how he gets there, what states he wins or doesn't win can help us to mitigate those laws. What will be the margin of victory in the popular vote? So similar to the Super Bowl, we have kind of created this scenario where I think as of this recording right now, we have 160 different ways to bet this. So we're getting close to Super Bowl, which usually is in uh, the mid hundreds of uh, different prop wagers available. And we're going to continue to add, we just actually added uh, what will be a red state or blue state that wins the national uh, college football uh, championship this year. So we are going a little cross sport with it now. And I was uh, thinking about, I was thinking about that because most of the states that are in contention are red states, correct? That's right. But there are some traditional uh, red states that have a chance of flipping blue this year. Uh, Georgia is a top five team, I think in the college football uh rankings right now Alabama's and, not and 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 uh South Carolina's not 
Alabama is not. South Carolina is not. Uh, Ohio State is trending red right now. We have them about a minus 260 favorite. But if Joe Biden was able to flip that state with how well uh, Ohio State's been playing early days, of course, with the Big Ten just returning, uh, there is a possibility there. So it is, you know, it, Al- uh, uh, Alabama. Red states are currently a minus 450 favorite. I mean, it would have to be. Yeah, but I mean, uh, you know, we'll see the, you know, we'll see how, first of all, we'll have to see how well uh, the pollsters do versus the marketplace in this, because we've got a pretty big disparity. Uh, Like Nate Silver, he's got a blue wave uh, projected with uh, Biden winning this 90% of the time, which is a pretty big disparity between what we have in the gambling markets, as we only have Biden winning this about mm, 65, 66% of the time which is a pretty big flip from 2016 where we were much higher on Hillary than guys like Nate Silver and a lot of the other pollsters. You know, a lot of people give the pollsters uh, grief for 2016, but us in the betting marketplace didn't do so hot either. You've, you've said that before. How many times, and I, I don't ask this question when we talk sports because I hope people are betting with their head, not their heart. But in something that has brought out such uh, passion in people, is it are people who want Donald Trump to be the president voting, you know, betting on him because they're betting on him for the future of the this civilized world? Uh, and, and, and you could say the same for Biden. If you're a Biden voter, if you're a Biden supporter, are you putting money on it? Do you think people are betting with their heart more than, let's say, college basketball or the NFL? Ah, oh, man, this is, it's, it's a great well, question. It's a wild question. And I, I'm dumbfounded by the idea. Yeah, it's, it's something we've certainly wrestled with a lot. I think it's one thing when we have established players at Bovada, players that, uh, you know, we're familiar, who've been playing with us for over a decade. And, uh, you know, we, we are able to, you know, at the risk of getting too much into it, we're able to kind of build to the best of our ability, you know, some kind of psychological profile of what this player likes, doesn't like, what uh, drives his betting mentality. But the thing with this election is we have just seen so many new accounts sign up at Bovada to bet this because, uh, I I mean, again, it is like that Super Bowl kind of event where you can literally have a bet on anything that night, which is part of our goal in doing this as well. But, uh, I mean... I, I look at where the odds are now. And, and the fact that there's this, again, this massive disparity in what the so-called polls are saying uh, versus what the marketplace is saying. I, I think there are a lot of people that are betting with their hearts, but I think there's a lot of smart people here that are sensing opportunity. They're sensing that this may be a Mayweather McGregor event where it was easy to say after the fact, perhaps that, uh, you know, maybe McGregor never had a chance. But uh, when there's this much money coming into something that's only happening once, we only get one election like this every four years, and this is absolutely dwarfed 2016, I, I'd say it's tough. I would say that uh, I'd say that there's probably smart people on both sides, but I would say there's probably more what we would call public money or emotional money on Trump. But it's not to say that it's just sharp money coming in on Biden. I think there's a good deal of people that think that Trump can pull this out again by just maybe running hot on some of those coin flips in the Midwest, or, uh, I mean, using uh, Republican governor control. I mean, it's not something you want to talk about. What you hope is uh, a robust uh, and checked democracy, but uh, with Republicans holding the balance of power in Georgia, in Florida, I mean, that could be the tipping point in who gets over the finish line in those States for those electoral college votes. 
And I want to preface my next question by saying I have voted for Republicans. I have voted for Democrats. I am really down the middle when it comes to this, and I vote on character. Uh, so that's why I am saying you know, what I'm saying. Um, and I have no bias against Republicans, and I can promise you that. Um, and I don't know why I feel obligated to say that, but how much of the activity is on the state level, and specifically two state races that have such national implications, and that is the one of Mitch McConnell and my favorite Lindsey Graham. <laughs> well, uh, your, your favorite Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell. Well, I would say that Mitch McConnell's probably cruising to re-election. Uh, the Democrats have certainly dumped a lot of money into that state, uh, but uh, McConnell, uh, he is effective. He is uh, he, he is someone that, uh, you know, d despite his recent health concerns, I would say will uh, outlast uh, a lot of us, it would seem. Uh, Amy McGrath, currently seven to one underdog there. Mitch McConnell, minus 1,600. And uh, looking at bets, bet disparities there, uh, you know, our, our bettors, while not usually wanting to uh, back such a big price, uh, risking 1,600 just to get $100 back, uh, they have still been backing Mitch McConnell. Now, looking to South Carolina and Lindsey Graham, uh, we have a bit of a tighter race there. Lindsey Graham is only minus 350. And his uh, opponent, uh, Jamie Harrison, only plus 245 on the comeback and getting a little bit more of the money. Uh, Jamie Harrison got as high as two to one recently. Uh, Lindsey Graham starting to pull away a little bit more now, but that is certainly at minus 350, something that represents something like 77% uh, without the house big attached to it. Uh, that's very much in play. That, that could be uh, in a year where the Democrats are looking to flip the Senate. They are smelling an opportunity in South Carolina. Okay, so let's get specifics on the props. Uh, so obviously most of it is who's going to be the president. We do have a lot of state bets, uh, but the props are the most interesting. You referenced it at the beginning, the will we know who the next president of the United States is going to be um, Tuesday night. And that is very much up in the air simply because a lot of the battleground swing states um, are doing so much uh, with the mail-in votes and they just can't process them fast enough. And people are waiting to the last minute. And I don't understand that because I think everybody in America has had their mind made up for literally the last two months. Yeah. And, and that's a great point. We were talking about this before this idea of, you know, how much did the debates really even move the needle for right. people uh, who, and this changed their vote. Right. Yeah. And so this idea that, you know, Trump did better in the second debate, which he did, but also the comparison point there was an absolute tire fire. And uh, CNN's uh, Andrew Mitchell, I think, had uh, even more pointed words for it. But uh, yeah, especially with early voting this year, that's something that would have really uh, made, you know, any of these uh, late rallies, you know, Trump's hitting, you know, 14 cities in three days. And, you know, from an energy point of view, yeah, that, that's he, he's showing a contrast to uh, Joe Biden. But what does that really matter? And I think more and more that in 2020, uh, this idea of having a high energy president, a president that was quick on his uh, feet, that could... Uh, you know, come up with a, a quick line, you know, have his Rosie O'Donnell moment, uh, as it were. Uh, that kind of grew tiresome for people that are now in seven months of Corona fatigue. Um, I, I think that while Biden, uh, you know, may not certainly inspire people, he's represents a return to perhaps 
boring government, stable government. And again, this is not an endorsement of one way or another. As I've known before, I personally bet on both candidates to win various states in this election. So we, I'm a big proponent of bipartisan betting, if nothing else. But yeah, I, I think uh, how this election is set up, uh, especially how early voting, mail-in ballots, it's going to, well, this is interesting. I'm coming to a point where that's twofold here, that it's going to hurt Trump overall when they're all counted. But I think it's going to create perhaps some problems for the Democrats on election night as the Republicans' votes will represent more in person. And there's a chance that in a lot of states, Trump might show an early lead. And uh, there has been some suggestion that he might try and, you know, as soon as he's got a lead somewhere, he might try and declare victory in that state. That's another thing that could delay, uh, you know, when these elections will be called. How quickly will the Republicans potentially take this to a state Supreme Court? And then the federal Supreme Court, uh, this could be dragged out in a lot of different directions. And as much as we are not hoping for a 2000 uh, level event here, it's very much in play. And that's why, you know, you can bet on 10 to 1, 12 to 1, 18 to 1 that, you know, is this going to be resolved uh, that night? Will it be resolved uh, sometime in November? Will it be resolved after December? Uh, it's it's insane, but you know, it's something that people are thinking about. And as is always the case of Avada, if it's topical, if it's the most viewed event of the year, how can we find a thousand different ways for folks to bet on it? Well, and then that'll be the question because I, I think it's responsible journalism that if he declares something, you have to air it. And if he, you know, but if, if you can't call a state, you have to also, you know, report that. I, I just want the, I don't want the bias. I want to stay away from the bias all over. I just need to know, regardless of what's happening. And, you know, my instinct will be Trump's going to speak first regardless and Biden's not. Yeah. And I think this is something where as much as, you know, we see this uh, in every election that there's this, and, and not just in every election, in media stories, there's always this race to be first. And I would think that it would be better for everyone, as well as us bookmakers, if uh, we are all, you know, if, if there isn't that race to call anything that night, because I think that would be, that could create a lot more headache for the country, but certainly us for how we, uh, we're looking to grade it. So I think uh, this is an important question that uh, players have uh, written into us, whether it's uh, to our customer service departments or on Twitter, how are we going to grade results when they come in that night? Uh, you know, are, is CNN going to be the official CNN projects for Donald Trump? CNN. We're, so what we're going to do is if we see all the major cable news networks project for a state, uh, mm -hmm. that is when we will jump in. Because, you know, we think at, at the risk of saying, you know, Fox News is to the right, MSNBC is to the left. We feel that if we have a broad amount of all projecting something, that's pretty okay for us. So we're not going to wait for the first uh, network to jump in and say, aha, that's it, it's done. We want to be really concerned with this because we also, we're dealing with such a large sum of money bet on this stuff that we don't want to be putting money into player accounts, taking it out of player accounts. It's going to be such a strain on our system, to be quite honest, processing the amount of bets. Uh, I will say this, it usually takes us about an hour after the Super Bowl is over just to settle the Super Bowl because of the strain on the system of how many bets are coming in. And that's what we're going to be looking with uh, on the election as well. So for our own sanity, we are going to have to be very conservative in how we grade this. Having said that, um, 
if there's any inclination that either side will be looking to escalate this uh, from a judicial point of view, uh, unfortunately, we will have to wait that out. Who, who, however, it is ultimately determined who the next president is, or, or the winner of this election, I should say, that is how we will be grading it at Bovada. So I would caution that we will be taking a wait and see approach. Like I've said from the beginning, I hope it's a landslide either way, because that'll make all of our lives easier. But uh, it'll certainly make, uh, you know, hopefully it'll make uh, how supporters of each side handle the results of the election a bit easier as well. Uh, if this is contested in any way, I think, you know, we have bigger problems than uh, how we're going to settle this here at Bavada. My favorite, my absolute favorite is when a reporter is covering a game and there's a last minute change, you know, <laughs> come back in the last seconds of a football game or the ninth inning of a baseball game or the final seconds of a hockey or basketball game. And you see reporters slam their computers. And it used to be, they would literally, when they had typewriters and I'm not old enough to, to have seen this in person, but you would hear them rip the headlines, like rip their articles right out of the thing and throw the paper into, you know, at people because they were so mad about having to do all the work all over again. And that's what you guys are going to do. Yeah, there's going to be so many competing narratives uh, on election day. And, and you know what? I feel like that'll be one thing that'll be nice when it's all said and done because uh, this has been such a crazy election just to try and cover from an informational point of view, you know, forget the campaign statements and who said this and who did what. And seems like a lifetime ago that the president was in the hospital with the coronavirus doing a, a drive around Walter Reed while in fact, I mean, that, that seems like ages ago. And in this absolute insane year, uh, it was just another blip. I mean, it, it, that's something that I will be looking forward to after the election, no matter what is just turning all this off. And uh, I, I think I'm just going to go rent a cabin in the woods uh, for the rest of 2020. <laughs> That's what a lot of people, I'm telling you, we're either headed for, we're going to head for civil war. We're headed for <laughs> blackouts, protests. It's going to be, uh, I, I can't imagine it's going to be easy either way. Whatever and, happens, it's not going to be over. And ever the optimist about this, we have had some players request. Uh, we will not be pricing up odds on Civil War, at least until it starts. If it actually does start, then we will look into it. But we are, uh, we, we, we don't, we don't want to be uh, prompting that in any way, or at least seen as prompting that. But we'll be ready. But uh, yeah, we're, we're taking a wait and see approach with that. I saw people tweeting about, you know, they're getting ready for it. They're, they're, they're hopeful, but they're, they're getting ready for it. And all I said is, you'll find me in Singapore or New Zealand. Singapore, because it's the cleanest place in the world, and New Zealand, because they don't have COVID. And either one, my kids will be very happy. Yeah, I'd, I'd take the two-week quarantine, uh, no problem in either of those right. places. Two-week quarantine. If, uh, it hits the fan. Let's just do that, and let's get out of town, because it, it, it'll be a, it, it's going to be ugly on all sides, and social media is not helping. That's, that's part of it. You know, that, that's, that's the only other thing. It's so, you know, in 2000, with Bush Gore and, you know, there's a great documentary called 536 on uh, HBO that recounts that whole thing. Get it? Recounts. Um, <laughs> and it's fascinating. And that was a great time. And I was, in, you know, what was I? I was in, uh, no, I was out of college. I was in Seattle and I was, you know, I was engrossed in that election. This one you can't avoid. And I think social media is a big part of that. Like, you don't have to turn on the television to find out everything. It will get told on Twitter. If someone clinches the 270 electoral votes, it'll be on Twitter before it's on any network. 
Yeah, and that's where this idea of being, you know, extremely online in 2020, I think, has made uh, how we digest this uh, election. On the one hand, we've got more information than we've ever had. On the other hand, is it a bit too much? And are, are, we, are we digesting it and interacting uh, with it in a way that's, it certainly feels colder uh, than other elections. I think part of that is this coronavirus backdrop where we're all inside, we're all spending more time in front of screens. And so the people that we're interacting with, we don't have to look them in the eye when we're telling them our opinion about something. So it, it has made, uh, you know, I, I think some of the partisanship that this race has been defined by, and it seems like every election just gets worse and worse on that front. Uh, but it does make it difficult to think of, you know, what kind of polite society do we have after the fact, regardless of who wins, uh, you know, and I, I, I mean, forget whoever the fact that whoever wins this is still gonna have to deal with another year plus of uh, whatever's going to happen with the coronavirus and eventual vaccines and any kind of return to so-called normalcy, which I think is a bit of a pipe dream anyways. But I, I think the way that we all interact with each other after this, I mean, just some kind of kindness and empathy towards our neighbor would go so much further than any, any other process that the World Health Organization is going to make. So I do, I do feel a, a legitimate amount of concern for the way that, you know, left, right, up or down, just the way as humans, uh, we've treated each other during, uh, and especially this election cycle, which has been stoked pretty negatively by, you know, maybe not just the candidates, and certainly one is a little bit more stoking than the other, but certainly social media uh, and certainly, you know, I, dare I say, even some of the cable news networks in the way that they present a lot of this information. So I will be very excited to, if it's not going out to the woods after this, at the very least, uh, cutting all my uh, cable news, reducing my social media imprint, and uh, just trying to get back to, towards the basis of humanity, loving your neighbor, being kind, and trying to be, you know, a little bit better each day than I was the day before. That's very well said. And on that note, we'll say... You know, do all the betting, have fun with this, and I hope you're all successful. Um, I just, you know, what, what Patrick just said is the perfect way to end it. There is the National Football League, and week nine is rapidly approaching, including a very intriguing matchup. The Green Bay Packers, who have had two of the most ugly losses, they're five and two, and they're right in the thick of everything, taking on a San Francisco 49er team. That's one of the more intriguing matchups for Thursday night football, I will say uh, the NFL makes up for it with a garbage Monday night football game, but let's do Thursday night, the Packers and the 49ers. Yeah. And speaking of garbage primetime games, my goodness, just coming off uh, Cowboys Eagles over the weekend. Oof. That was, uh, if you ever saw a stoppable force versus a movable object, uh, that was just painful to watch. It was almost like art in a way though, where I just, I, I couldn't turn it off because I was fascinated to see who would screw up in a more creative way <laughs> next. But yeah, looking ahead to Thursday night football, uh, the Packers have been a pretty interesting team this year in that they were five and one going into uh, Minnesota. Uh, they had a great bounce back game against the Texans. Although the Texans are clearly uh, struggling. They are already through one coach. Raheem Morris certainly doesn't look like the answer there. I think what we've seen with the Packers is a betting line that suggests uh, consistently that they're a pretty good team, but that they clearly still struggle. And the way that Dalvin Cook was able to gash them over the weekend really speaks to that. Uh, the Packers are currently a three-point road favorite over the 49ers who have uh, looked not bad, but certainly a lot of inconsistency from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, you know, when he gets out of the pocket, gets out of his comfort zone a little bit, a lot of mistakes there, key interceptions against uh, the Seahawks yesterday, 
who haven't played pretty well defensively, but certainly look like, uh, and again, being division rivals, that they've got his number a little bit. Uh, nice to see a good uh, Thursday night game there. Of course, you know, the Monday night game is going to be a pretty bad trade-off. But as it currently stands, uh, Packers, yeah, minus three. They're taking about 65% of the money over under of about 51 with uh, split action so far. Another great game at Orchard Park in uh, upstate New York. The Buffalo Bills hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle comes in at 6-1 and one on the road against Josh Allen and the 6-2 and two Bills coming off that win over New England. Huge win for the Bills over the Patriots. Uh, they finally, you know, they, they already had the wins and loss separation, but the fact now that they can at least guarantee a split against the Patriots will uh, give them probably more of, certainly enough of a cushion now to make them clear the prohibitive AFC East favorites. Uh, the Bills come into this game as three-point underdogs at home, which isn't so bad against a team like the Seahawks. Again, I think the problem with Seattle this year is that they can certainly score. Russ is the guy. But uh, that defense, despite having a pretty okay day against Jimmy G, although they still eventually gave up 27, uh, a bit of a liability on that front. So I think the Bills will be able to hang. But as it currently stands, Seahawks minus three, taking about 70% of the action so far. It is early days, but that is our biggest position of the upcoming week. What has been the uh, reflection on gambling for Tua Tungavailoa, who won his first game? Wasn't that great he wasn't bad at all the miami dolphins at four and three travel to glendale arizona to take on the five and two cardinals everybody in the afc west nfc west rather is great what about miami arizona yeah i think if you were looking at that dolphins rams game i bet you ryan fitzpatrick would say that he could have won that one but uh you know it's, it's two a time so uh listen to a bad ryan, ryan fitzpatrick knew what he was getting into he he had the chance he he took it he was playing wonderfully though and i i know as a veteran quarterback i i know a veteran player i'll, I'll just tell this quick story my best friend daryl hamilton who passed away in 2015 he was a 13-year veteran and at the end of his career he had this philosophy I know that I'm not an everyday player anymore, but when I go three for four, I want to be in the lineup the next day. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was doing what he needed to do. He was playing his best football the last three years. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. The, the dolphins were three and three. They were certainly competing defense. They had won two in a row. He was playing better. Yeah. He, you know, he wasn't, taken out of that game because they were struggling. They were taken in because they comfortably had that last game in their hands. It's like, all right, let's give two a couple throws. So, you know, you know, they were going to make the move eventually. I, I still think uh, I don't necessarily hate the move. I just, I agree that the timing sees seems odd, but uh, yeah, you know, so Tua, you know, he didn't have to do anything against the Rams, uh, the Rams and Goff and uh, that Dolphins defense, you know, basically took care of things for him. Uh, I will say this, though, that the Dolphins have certainly exceeded expectations so far this year, regardless of who's under center. And the fact that they are only four and a half point uh, road underdogs against the Cardinals, who have so far met those lofty expectations. I think everyone was big on the Cardinals this year. Their over-under wins was eight and a half and was one of the most bet heading into the season. Everyone was hoping that Kyler Murray would take the step forward, which he has so far. Although going to the way back machine, I don't know how impressive wins over the Cowboys are after the fact. But having said that, Cardinals four and a half point home favorites. Dolphins catching a little bit more public love so far with so far 60% of the money on the Dolphins plus four and a half and on the money line. And then the Sunday night game, the Saints and the Buccaneers. Tom Brady gets another crack at New Orleans. Uh, they're, I, they have to be the favorite at home where they're three and oh. 
Yeah, so the Bucks are uh, four-point favorites at home at Bavada. Um, you know what? I think uh, they are certainly better positioned than they were in uh, versus that week one opening matchup as uh, the Bucks now have had a little bit of time to settle in. Even Gronk's starting to find his place a little bit right now. So, uh, you know, one of our highest over-unders of the week at 54.5, certainly expecting points again, just like the first round. Uh, yeah, got to tip the needle a little bit to the Bucks here. This would represent that we think that the Bucks are on a neutral site slightly better than the Saints because that Saints team closed as about a three and a half point uh, so far, or not so far, three and a half point in that first game. So yeah, we would tip the needle slightly to the Bucks here. The Saints have certainly been inconsistent in their play this year. Uh, Bucks looking good. Yeah, they are, and uh, you know it's so funny how the change in the beginning of the season. Cam Newton looked great. Tom Brady didn't. Now Tom Brady looks great. Cam Newton doesn't. It's so, so different. Uh, It's crazy. All right. Uh, Next week, we will do all sports, probably. Uh, Who knows? But uh, we put this show out a little bit earlier just because of the idea of wanting to get as many people, as much opportunity to bet on the election. And uh, we want to see those numbers go as high as they can. Whatever it is, we hope everybody stays safe. Patrick, you're not going to get a lot of sleep this week. Have a good one. Hopefully we have a president next week. This is the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. For Patrick Morrow, we'll see you next week.